everybody. Welcome back to the Yo Guys podcast, your source for the best sports minds since Jerry Krause. Uh, we are your hosts, Max Benson <laughs> and Cameron Curran, coming with you here on this fine Tuesday evening. Uh, today's main po- uh, podcast discussion will be surrounding the new Michael Jordan docu-series. Um, it's, it's been interesting for the, us two youngins to, to learn about the greatest of all time. Uh, before we start, make sure to subscribe, turn on that bell so you get all the notifications. And let's get into it. So yeah. some our, our overall first impressions, Max, you, you, you can start. What are your overall first impressions of this document? Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting for people like us to watch because, you know, we've never got to experience Michael Jordan's career. And I've always, you know, gotten the impression from other people like Michael Jordan's the greatest, like whatever. But I've never really seen him in action. And after watching last night, just the first couple episodes, like I get what people are talking about. Like not only is he amazing on the floor. But his the mental aspect of his game, right? He's a hard worker, probably the hardest worker we've ever seen in the sports industry. Um, so I thought it was really cool to watch. Um, I'm not super big into the NBA right now. I don't watch a ton of it. Um, but, you know, it's definitely going to spark up some uh, conversations uh, with the whole LeBron-MJ debate um, that I'm definitely here for. I mean, every I always heard – people like the radio hosts and other podcast hosts act like MJ was just the default to number one. And with LeBron, like even with LeBron coming up, they still kind of acted like MJ was the default number one. And for a while, I always kind of just assumed like that's their generation. That's their best. Our generation is LeBron. It's, it's two separate things, and no one's going to go for someone who they didn't grow up with. No one's going to go for someone whose prime didn't happen like in their era. But I, I was wrong. Um, <laughs> I think there's just a, there's a difference between – and it's – I always defaulted to LeBron – because I never got to watch Jordan in action. I, it, it was hard for me to say someone I never watched was the best player of all time. And watching that, it's kind of hard to debate. It, there's just, there seemed to be this other gear that like only he and Kobe could hit and mm-hmm. no other athlete is able to hit that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think in terms of just pure talent, they're probably around the same level, probably give the slight edge to Michael, but they're probably on the same level in terms of just pure talent. I think the thing that sets them apart is that last gear that you could hit that mm-hmm. no one can hit except for, I think, Kobe and Michael. Yeah, I think Michael probably has the better talent and LeBron has just the physical, like he's taller, he's probably a lot stronger. Another thing uh, about Michael Jordan that's super interesting is he's had really rough up and coming, right? He was cut from his high school team. Um, You know, there was problems highlighted with his brother and his dad. Um, And then obviously the whole GM and owner um, debacle 
So he's really had a rough time. Um, I don't know if LeBron's had that. He's obviously had the, the spotlight on him since he was 16. Um, but it's definitely very different, um, sort of their career paths, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting to see how people are reacting to it looking back. Because you, like, you wonder what changes between getting cut from varsity basketball and getting recruited to UNC. Like with Dean Smith, I mean, people were every I I heard this quote at least three different times where people would say we had heard about him, there wasn't too much hype around him, and then he came on, and you could tell he was the best player on on like in the game. Yeah, and you wonder yourself if you saw that immediately, and it happened every time he moved to a new team from high school to college, from college to the NBA why was there not more hype surrounding him? And I don't know if it was because of his size, because I know people were talking about, they had like interviews with players talking about how they didn't know if Michael could carry a team because of his size and because of his play style. And if that was the, the reason that he didn't get too much attention. And it's, it's interesting for us to sit here and act like the number three overall pick isn't a lot of attention. And to be recruited to UNC isn't a lot of attention. But the feeling I got from the documentary is that's what it was like. Like, he was almost, even for such a high stock, he was still at that level being underrated, which is insane to me. Because right, when you compare him to LeBron, LeBron was in the spotlight in high school. He had, like, ESPN televised games in high school. He was the first-round pick. He got to like create his own big three in Miami after being a star in Cleveland. And after that, he kind of controlled like the team he was on. In Cleveland, the second time around, he controlled the team. And the fact that Michael coming up didn't have those same luxuries is, is very interesting to me, especially when people knew that he was going to be an insane talent. Yeah, and maybe he used all of those struggles and whatnot as sort of motivation, right? That toughness, that sort of edge that he always has to him. You know, maybe that's because he's been through all this. Um, and there's a quote from Jordan that is awesome, and it just it fits him perfectly. Um, so he was talking about, like, never turning it off for a single game. And he said he never wanted to turn it off because every game there could be a new fan in the stands that had never seen him play before and had paid a bunch of money to come see him play. So he wanted to play hard for him or her, whoever, whoever's coming to the games. Mm -hmm. So I think that that represents Jordan well, and just his whole mentality of never turning it off. And um, when he came up, um, I think it was like his third career game that they showed where he had that crazy comeback. Yeah. Sort of like his teammates were giving up and he's like, what are you doing guys? Like, this is an important game. They're all like, it's the third game, whatever. And I thought that was really cool. And that's sort of why I lean towards college basketball um, just from a watching standpoint, because I feel like every game, and I'm not saying that NBA doesn't give 100%, but every game they're like playing their hearts out. Right. And every game is competitive, which I like to watch. I don't know what you think about. Yeah, I've always been, this is kind of a little tangent but i've always been a bigger college basketball fan yeah just because it feels 
I, I don't know if this makes sense. It feels more genuine. Like when those kids are playing, it feels like a more genuine game than the NBA does. Mm-hmm. Like you, like you were alluded to the NBA, you see players sitting for strategic resting, trying to play for the playoffs. You see tanking like teams like Kawhi and Chris Paul sitting significant amounts of games. You see tanking, right? And in college basketball, it's just every single game, no matter what your record is, you're putting your heart into it. Yeah. And I, I don't think – like, I don't think you get that same passion in the NBA ex- except for a few players who turn out to be, in most cases, the ones we remember. Yeah, um, for sure. And I think getting back to that whole Jordan mentality – Having he did not make like the, the the Chicago Bulls didn't make it to and win a finals until ninety two. He was or was it ninety one? It was one of those two years. But he was drafted in eighty four, so that's seven or eight years of playoffs and losing, mediocre team and losing, waiting for the right pieces to fall. He played seven to eight years of fantastic basketball without winning something. And the fact that after that, he still had a significant amount of time where he was winning championships and he was the most elite player on the team is, is insane. Yeah, definitely. And that, that whole transition from college to the NBA was definitely uh, uh, different uh for for mj um i guess they they called the uh his teammates that first team the traveling cocaine circus right he gave that little story where um he was in the he was invited to the hotel room or whatever and they uh they were just in there having having a good time and he's he didn't want any of it (laughs) and i thought that, that not only is that a little funny but it's it's good like that's that's what you want as like a GM, as a fan, you want that player that's like, my mind is on playing basketball and nothing else. It's rare you see someone like that mm-hmm. who, who hasn't let the spotlight affect them to at least some degree. And it seemed like he, he never really got like watered down by the spotlight, which is insane. Um, and I, I think the, the biggest, I don't want to say the biggest, but I think the most underrated thing about Jordan's career and the dynasty of the Chicago Bulls themselves and the thing that people seem to forget and I didn't even know about was how valuable Scottie Pippen's not only his skill set, but his contract was to build in that dynasty. Seven years, 18 million. They got a top 10 NBA player in the league, the greatest number two of all time, for free. <laughs> and people always talk about how Jordan built this dynasty and it was all Jordan with the help of Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman. And obviously Jordan was a centerpiece. But if Scottie Pippen signs the deal he's worth, if he's making bank like he obviously deserved, can the Bulls afford to bring in those extra pieces that they need? Can they afford 
to, to, to keep Rodman? Can they afford to bring in all the extra pieces that they needed, right? The Patriots dynasty was built in part because Brady was willing to take pay cuts. Brady was willing to not be selfish and not get the money he probably deserved and let other probably more rare elite players, such as elite cornerbacks, you don't see that many of them, get paid. He was willing to take that pay cut so that he could build a franchise. And I think the Bulls got very lucky. It was, it was the perfect storm of drafting one of the greatest talents of all time and getting another all-time talent on the, like one of the cheapest contracts of all time. I mean, that entire dynasty, I think is, that is, I think that is the second most important part of the dynasty behind Jordan and the skill set. Yeah, definitely. Cause Jordan didn't win without Pippen or Phil Jackson. Um, but yeah, back to that contract, they, they got the steal of like history. Like that's yeah. insane that they were able to lock them up. And I know, Scottie Pippen obviously had a big family and 18 million. Um, that's going to light your eyes up, um, especially in the nineties or eighties or whenever he signed that contract. Um, but seven years, I mean, we rarely see players sign for that much, especially for this small uh, amount of money. Um, but he made that, that one little mistake or his agent made that one little mistake and it really cost, you know, him a ton of money. Um, but yeah, I, the GM and owner, the, the fact that they didn't renegotiate, I, it, it's crazy. It kind of blows my mind. Um, I mean, would you, if, if you had Scotty Pippen on yeah. this cheap contract, like, would you, would you renegotiate be like, yeah, I'll pay you more. Yeah. Cause we saw the effects. He demanded a trade. He was yeah, not but if, happy. If you, if you're demanding a trade from Scotty Pippen, who, by the way, they already thought was like at the end of his lifeline. And you're getting rid of Phil Jackson, and you probably have a feeling that Jordan's gone because he's already told you he's not playing without Phil Jackson. Like, do you do you even bother trying to hold on to what you have left, or do you kind of just roll with it? At that point, no. But I disagree with the the, the GM's like whole theory. Why are you getting rid of Phil Jackson? Why are you saying oh, this is the end of the dynasty? Like I, I, I that was an awful decision. That was just selfishness and ego. Yeah, um, but I, I see what you're saying. Um, you know, me as a GM, I, I'm not a GM, but if I were, I, I, I'd want my players to be happy. I want a good culture. And what's crazy is that they were able to win, like what six championships, despite the fact that ownership and the players were not on the same page, and they sort of had like a really high tension between them. So yeah. that makes the titles even more um, interesting to look at. Especially since you look at it and that that second three-peat that the Bulls had, that team was probably better than the first three-peat. So mm-hmm. you have all this tension rising, and through that they were still the greatest team in history, greater than they were with the first repeat when there didn't seem to be as much tension. Yeah. Um, and then another big storyline uh, of the first two episodes uh, was Jordan's injury. Um, he obviously had that big uh, 
foot injury that sidelined him for the back half of that one season. Yeah, I didn't even um, know he had that. I didn't know it was ever a thing. I didn't know that either. And that was the first time he'd ever missed a game since like high school. So it was obviously very different for him. Someone that always wants to go in there um, and compete. Um, but he obviously sat out for uh, a little while and then the doctor like cleared him. They said, there's a 90% chance you're not going to get injured, but there's a 10% chance you could get that career ending injury. And of course, Jordan being the guy he is, is like, I'm going out there, man. Yeah. I don't care what you guys say. But the owner uh, being cautious and probably probably making the right choice um, says, you know, let's, let's ease into it a little bit. I think he made the right choice there. I, I obviously you don't want to push someone back into full games right after an injury. And I'm I'm not against the idea of playing seven minutes a half. But the way they enforced it was yeah. was insane. I I'm not against the rule itself. I I thought the the way they carried it out was was really weird. Like, yeah, because that the last fourteen seconds that you can, right. you can even put him in for fourteen seconds. I think I think there needs to be a little bit of leeway there. Probably. Yeah, I mean that that was obviously demonstration of some of that early tension that was within that that organization. But yeah, yeah, and we I saw mean, um, me being a Nats fan. I I saw this in twenty twelve with Steven Strasburg. He obviously okay. had Tommy John, but what's interesting and what is a little different between the two. Um, the Bulls, I mean, they ended up making the playoffs at 30 and 52, which is crazy. But they weren't <laughs> really making a strong playoff push. And in 2012 with the Nationals, they were the number one seed. Like, they were making a strong push. Um, but their number one pitchers coming off um, Tommy John surgery. And they uh, ended up playing it cautious um, and resting him. Um, and what they do? Uh, they, they lost they, in the first they round. They blew it. But... Yeah. Um, Steven Strasburg just recently signed a contract uh, with the Nats. And one thing that he's always praised them for is yeah. um, helping him out and really looking out for um, his career and his injuries. And he says they did a really good job. Well, so it, aren't they sweet? Yeah. Maybe that's why they lose all the time. Cameron, ever considered, um, that? ever considered that? Maybe you guys need to just be who, more heartless. Who won the uh, World Series last year? I forget. It was the Can Nats. You remind me? Oh, okay. I'm saying when's the before that when they win. But I before I that I forget. Before that remind me. Before that, when did they win? It doesn't matter. It does I'm, matter. I'm saying um, that what if this is the exception and not the rule? Okay, Cameron. Um, another th- thing that I thought was kind of funny with Jordan, um, sort of that's part of the uh, documentary, the the playoff series. He played golf with one of the uh, one of the players on the other <laughs> team the, yeah. the day before the game. That's Danny crazy. Ainge. Yeah, like, yeah I love Danny Ainge. Yeah, but I, I thought that was funny, and you know, they're drop talking the whole time. On him. Yeah, if he and then had, he lost anyway. So it's okay. if he had any sort of help that game or those two games, like, I mean, they they probably would have won, but he had no help, none. What so when, I I just wonder what it would have been like if they had gotten Pippin, like like four years earlier. Class? Yeah, and they had them. Like they like would have won all every single year. It would have been like fifteen 
It would have been like when the Yankees won like 27 straight. It would have been insane. Yeah. Um, sort of a, a tangent, um, but it was part of the show that I thought was really interesting. Uh, I mentioned that I don't like watching NBA hardcore, um, but they showed, uh, they actually introed with it um, the Paris series where they went to Paris and played the French team. Oh, I yeah. thought that was really cool. I didn't know teams did that. Yeah, and I I looked it up. Um, teams go and they play um, like other NBA teams. Like I think they did one in India. I think they go to China sometimes. Um, so interesting. But I thought it was interesting that they played like the French team. I think that'd be really cool if they did more of that in the NBA today, sort of to promote that um, the worldwide brand. Well, I know they were doing that in China earlier, and then the Houston Rockets owner said those things about the Chinese government and China was kind of like, they would come nope. back. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I just thought that was sort of cool. And uh, I know uh, the NFL goes to London um, and the MLB starting to expand a little bit more, but if they do that more and more, I think it's, it's really cool to bring the, the whole world in. It's interesting that the MLB is the last one to expand because out of, out of like the major sports in the, in the, United States, you'd think, right? MLB is probably the the most popular worldwide because soccer is not super popular, mm-hmm. professional at least. Yeah. So you you think the MLB would be the quickest to expand? That's that's true, yeah. and but yeah, they're getting started. <laughs> they're getting um, started. They're getting started. So uh, another big storyline, and we we talked about it a little bit, and we mentioned him in our intro, um, Jerry Cross. The the GM, my man. He was sort of painted as sort of like a villain, almost like he was the villain. Jordan had some big problems with him. A lot of the players had some big problems with him. Watching that, I had some problems with him. I had a lot of problems with him. Yeah, what do you think? It 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 seems like he, um, it, it it he was just selfish. Is it was is what it seemed like. Yeah, it, it it looked like he wanted to be taking the credit for this dynasty rather than giving it to the players. And like, don't get me wrong, he did his job well. Yeah, like he assembled this team, he put all the pieces together, but then he ruined it subsequently. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think he he did his job, and the fact that he wasn't getting recognized for putting the pieces together, I think that bothered him. Yeah, I think that's the main thing. And I think another important part of a GM's job is to create a good culture and a good relationship between players and management and coaches and whatnot. And that's where he sort of struggled, just having that trust in players and whatnot. So, um, you know, obviously he made some awesome moves. I mean, drafting Jordan, drafting Pippen. um, But he just wanted to take... uh, all, all the credit when I, I I have to give it to the players. I mean, you, you give them some credit, but right. I think he was being a little selfish. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Um, so uh, Phil Jackson, um, obviously one of the best coaches of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he apparently did this thing where he had like themes for different seasons. And obviously this last one is the title of the documentary. Um, last the last dance, dance. Um, 
which is crazy that they they told him before the season this is your last year and he goes out and he wins it all i think that's crazy when you have michael jordan scotty pippen it's kind of hard not to yeah um but i i'm a big nats fan so i relate everything back to the nats Um, yes you do but uh, it's sort of similar to what uh, Davey Martinez did this year. Um, he had that phrase, go 1-0 every day. I think this is good because as players, you have something to push for and you have that, that like sort of saying in your head. You're like, all right, the last dance. I'm doing this. Let's go. Um, I think that sort of pushes them forward, and I think that's a really cool uh, aspect of Phil Jackson. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he, he – was obviously a very smart person and he knew what he was doing, like not just in basketball and not just the schemes that he has to use against a zone or like a two, three, whatever, but also the politics of the business side of basketball, right? Cause people often forget that basketball is largely and in most part a business, right? And there are yeah. a lot of politics within that business and Phil Jackson I think did the best possible job he could have of maneuvering through that web. It It's not very often you get your team to play against the franchise, right? The Browns have been destroyed because they have bad management, because they have bad relationships because of their front office has never gotten it together. Same thing for the Bengals and the, the Bulls, seem to be able to play through those problems. And I think Phil Jackson was able to find a way to keep their minds on basketball, even though they had all these insane things happening outside and in terms of the politics of it. And just the way he played it was perfect. There aren't many other people, coaches or not, who could have done that with a team, especially with people of that ego, right? Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan and probably a, f- a few other of those players had at least some sort of ego by that point. I know they like to act like they didn't. And on the docuseries, they were acting like, oh, these people, they were very selfless. And that's why the, the ball movement and the chemistry is working. And they were certainly significantly more selfless than some players. Russell Westbrook comes to mind. But at that point, there's still an ego, knowing that you're like one of the greatest. So being able to maneuver all of that by himself seems insane to me. And another thing about Phil Jackson um, that I don't think gets talked about enough is he went from this job, uh, managing Jordan and Pippen, to Kobe and Shaq. I mean, how often does that happen where you got a, just this amazing coach with this amazing player and then his next job, amazing coach, amazing player. It doesn't happen too often. Another thing. He's a talented guy. I don't understand why they forced him out. I mean, I can sort of grasp the, the fact that maybe they see the players getting older and they want to move on or sort of rebuild or retool. But why do they have to force the coach out? I feel like the coach... It was the tensions, like the just the chemistry. Yeah, that's, that's probably true. But if, if you play it right as a GM, I feel like 
I mean, the Patriots do this with Bill Belichick. Um, you have that guy in there, and then you move the pieces around him um, to always compete. I don't know. I mean, I, th- there were definitely a few times Jerry Krause did not make the right decision. He did not play his cards right. So I think that was kind of just that. I, I think by that point, he knew he lost the team, and he had already had a longstanding rivalry with Phil Jackson. So he's like, might as well act like I meant for this to happen the whole time. And just kind of pushed him out. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> one crazy thing that I uh, thought that was crazy. Okay, whatever. Um, Scotty Pippen, his whole like collegiate career, where he started as like the equipment manager, Single and then Arkansas ripped the. So set. some kids had some problems with scholarships, and he got one, and he grew like five inches over the summer, and yeah. then it just becomes this beast just kept growing kept lifting because because he was a point guard uh or a guard before um he grew and then he obviously grew into a ford but he still got that guard skills so that it really made him a unique player i know that's what happened with zion where like his eighth grade year or his freshman year he was like six three and they figured let's teach him the point guard skills now because he's gonna be a fantastic point guard yeah. And by the time he could shoot well and handle well, he was eight feet tall. He could lift a horse. Yeah. And he just kept those skills. Yeah. Um, well, you got anything else to say? Sort of wraps up our little mini recap of the I think uh, I'm ex- I'm excited to see the other eight episodes. I'm not quite sure i mean obviously the first two episodes were more of an introduction to the whole idea of the last dance and setting the stage for the next eight but i'm inter- i'm curious to see how they get eight more hours out of this because yeah. I, I i can't really see it in my head being like kind of trapped in that world for eight hours and always being super interested but i I feel like there has to be. I don't know. I'm on the fence. I know there is eight hours of amazing content. I just, and this might be in part because I wasn't there to experience it in person, but I don't understand. And I can't see where they're getting eight more hours from. So I'm I'm excited to see what kinds of episodes they have, like whether or not they look at specifically the relationship between Krause and uh, my boy Phil, or if they just... (laughs) They spend time only on bringing in free agents. I don't know. But I'm excited to see what they bring in for eight more episodes. Yeah. I mean, they have a lot to work with because it, it sounds like they're going back through Jordan's whole career instead of looking at this one season. Yeah. Um, so they got a lot of material to work with. But we'll be here to cover it um, every week. We'll do a little recap like we did here. And every week. Yes. Next week, we got a little surprise. We got our friend Austin coming in uh, to talk a little basketball. Huge NBA fan. Very, very good friend of ours. Yep, so, so he will be, he'll provide his own interesting uh, views on this documentary. Yeah. And coming up on Friday, hopefully released by Saturday, will be our draft review and our reactions for that. 
Yep. So we got stuff coming your way. Uh, make sure to, as always, follow us on social media, the field guys. Like, subscribe, comment, ask us questions, interact, do whatever. Um, yeah, you know, th- do this whatever. is fun for us. Um, we obviously like getting your guys' input, so make sure to uh, let us know. Uh, until next time, I guess we'll see you guys later. Later. See you.